Welcome to Motherhood Exposed. Join me, Zoe Cresswell, mum of two and a UK-trained midwife and doula, as I meet with an array of amazing women navigating life and motherhood. Since becoming a mum for the second time, after my own complex journey, I've become more and more aware that motherhood is so unique. There's no one story the same, and women need support now more than ever. I hope by allowing mothers to openly speak out, we can help to break the silence around many topics. We need to shout out that there is no normal, and that is something we need to embrace. Motherhood isn't always picture perfect, so let's bust some myths, realign expectations, and share the journey together. Hello, I've got an amazing guest for you today. This episode is with Jade from the Instagram account, Not Your Average Family. Jade and her partner Adam are special guardians to their niece and nephew after the sudden and devastating death of their mother, Adam's sister, when the children were just four and five years old. Now, nearly five years on, and with the addition of their biological daughter, Harper, Jade talks me through her beautiful, loving, but not average family. So good morning, Jade. How are you? And thank you so much for joining me today. Morning, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, all right, thank you. Not all right, <laughs> all right. I'm okay, thank you. Um, not too bad. Uh, we're about to hit um holiday, we've got a bit of a holiday here tomorrow for a few days. Oh, so nice. it's kind of like I guess our version of half term, but it's the end of Ramadan over in Dubai oh, or cool. in the world, I suppose. But uh, yeah, so we get a few days off, which is nice. Yeah, so, Jade, um, I start my podcast with the same question for everybody, which is how you met your partner. Okay, so we've always known each other, really. So we went to the same primary school, the same secondary school. Our parents live around the corner from each other. Um, but Adam was two school years above me. So when mm-hmm. you're at school, obviously, that's, that's a major a age gap, isn't Absolutely, it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but his sister was in my school year. Um, we weren't in the same friendship groups, but again, knew each other. Um, and I had a lot of friends that were in his um school year no friends had brothers that were in his school year so we've also always known each other but then it wasn't till 2012 2013 um I actually messaged him on Facebook (laughs) I was like oh are you single because I think we've always both been in relationships and yeah it went from there so he always says oh yeah I slid into his DMs (laughs) I love that you you outwork rightly asked him if he was single yeah that's brilliant yeah Yeah, because we've always got a lot like on really well but either he always had a girlfriend or I was always with someone else um so yeah you know I was completely up front (laughs) and then yeah we were just talking loads and then went on a first date and that was it really which um was eight years ago now so we've been together a long time oh and as I say the rest is history and um, so you guys had been together three years when Mm -hmm. um, the process of and I'm really excited to speak to you today because when I started this podcast um I I don't know I've not really thought about I guess I thought about infertility and miscarriages Mm -hmm. and these types of things but I hadn't thought about legal guardianship um Mm -hmm. and so this is amazing because it's also really educational for me as well um so you guys have been together three years when I guess the situation arose where um, where you were looking at becoming legal guardians. Um, can you talk a little bit about, about what happened and, and how that process went? Yeah, so it was in August 2016 that Adam's sister passed away suddenly. Um, she was 25, I was 25, and Adam wow. was 27. Um, and... Yeah, it was really, really sudden and she she went in hospital and two days later she she died and she had three young children at the time. So um, her son, our nephew, was four and then she had two daughters um, who were five and six. So really, really little. Wow, and really close in age as well. Yeah, yeah. She had three under three at one point. Oh my Um, gosh. And I think, yeah, it's only now we realise how much of a superhuman she was as a single parent to three children that close in age. Um, But yeah, so the oldest sister has a different dad. Mm -hmm. Um, So she went to live with her dad. And then the the youngest niece and nephew, their dad is not involved at all, has never been involved in their lives. Um, 
so the conversation was well who are they going to live with um obviously we did not want them to go into care you know that was not an option for us um and then adam's parents um have their own health um needs his dad had had a heart attack that same Mm. year um so we felt like we were for want of a better word, the best option. We were, we had no responsibilities. We were young. We were, um, you know, sort of free to be those parents for them. Um, it was a really, really big decision to make. It, we didn't make it straight away. We had a lot of discussions about it um, with my parents, with his parents, um, talking about, you know, legally how that would would happen. So. Anyway, yeah, everybody agreed that, yeah, that would be good. And we really wanted uh, Adam's parents, their grandparents, to maintain that grandparent relationship. We would really need support from them, um, you know, doing after school and things like that and letting us have a break. Um, And we really wanted them to still have that fun grandparent relationship. So we met with a solicitor um, a couple of weeks after she died, maybe. And And where were the kids? Were they with... Their grandparents. So they initially lived with their grandparents, yeah. um, maybe the first two weeks. Um, it probably took us about a week to decide um, what we were doing. Cause it, That's so, really, you said it was a long process. That's really fast. I know, it's true. <laughs> but it just feel. I think the days just felt endless in that first couple of weeks that it probably did feel like a long time yeah. to me, but it was, yeah, probably only about four days. And you must have been <laughs> um, really heavily grieving as well. Well, exactly. And I think um, in a way, when I look back, us deciding to take on the children really helped us with our grieving because we've, you know, since said that she lives on through them and seeing them happy and supporting them to, you know, thrive and achieve has really helped us process um, our grief and felt like there's a part of us, her with us. Um, And it helped us as well. I mean, obviously I can't speak on behalf of Adam, but I feel like it did. You know, we had to be busy. We had to, there was so much to do um, and it helped us focus and not, um, obviously we were completely um, devastated and emotional, but um, yeah, it really helped us sort of process that, I guess. Yeah. Um, So at the time we, me and Adam were living with my parents Oh, he's just walked through the door. Um, oh, hi, Adam. <laughs> just talking about you. Talking <laughs> about you, not to well, you. I'm not asking any questions. <laughs> <laughs> I just said how I slid into your DMs. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. um, uh, sorry, I've lost where I was. Uh, you were living with your parents. Yes, yeah, so we were, um, you know, under the pretense of us saving to buy a house, which, you know, really wasn't happening. <laughs> so at the time, my brother um, was living there too. So there was um, already yeah. <laughs> um, five of us in, in the house together. Um, so they, we initially spent, you know, a week or so moving the house around. So my brother went into the dining room to have as his bedroom. So the children had... Um, their own bedroom because our initial meeting with a social worker she sort of scared us a bit because we didn't have parental responsibility of them she sort of gave us the impression that it was going to be a hard process regardless of the relationship that their dad had you know had with them yeah he ultimately had parental responsibility and um you know it was his right to 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 be in their lives and, and and be the person that they go to, which obviously to us, we were like, uh, we really don't want that to happen. He's yeah. a total stranger. Um, so yeah, we really panicked then really and, and spent that time moving the house around. We initially thought, oh, we, well, we need to move out. We need a house um, because that's what the social worker had said. But my mum was like, no, you're going through a major transition, a major change. You've become parents overnight that is not happening. You're not living on your own for the first time as well. It's really important for your relationship to be secure, for mm. you to stay together and this, you know, um, not be something that splits you up, that builds you as a couple. Of so we moved in with them, with the children, and we lived there for a year. And actually that was 
brilliant because it enabled us to you know once the kids were in bed go to the cinema go out for a meal together go for a walk do those things that we could do without thinking Mm -hmm. um before and I feel really lucky that we were able to do that because it did really help us still have that sense of um almost freedom but yeah we couldn't have done it without their without their support um but yeah going back to um meeting with the solicitor yeah we didn't really we thought our adoption we didn't really know what um would be the our first option so she said something called a child arrangements order so that is just um classed as a short-term thing decides where the children live um and whoever they live with can decide where they go to school where their doctors is etc so we got that sort of straight away as well as a prohibited steps order so that again meant that um, their dad or any, anyone that's got parental responsibility can't just exert that right. Um, right. We had prohibited steps to um, mean that he couldn't just take them, basically. Yeah. So we, you know, we were happy with that, and uh, you know, we had no real knowledge of what more formal legal stuff there was. So, but as part of getting the prohibited steps in the child arrangements order, we had a guardian from CAFCAS, which stands for Children and Families at Court Support Service, um, something like that. Mm-hmm. And she was amazing. So she um, suggested special guardianship for to us. And something I'd never heard of and bear in mind my experience and my job is working with children working with young adults and I'd never heard of it Um, and she basically explained it to us as an in-between foster care and adoption so it gives you that parental responsibility is more secure is more long-term than fostering um, but it doesn't completely remove the parental responsibility from the birth parents. And at the time, we felt like that was a really good option because the thought of legally their mom not being their mom on paper really didn't sit right with us. Yeah, of course. So then that was a really long process. That then took another seven months to do the assessment from what I can gather, is similar to um, an ad- the process with adoption, but nowhere near as intense. Mm. Um, I mean, there's no courses that you go on. Right. There's no um, support in that sense. Which is kind of probably um, a bit of a shame because I'm sure yeah. having never been parents, um, yeah. suddenly become parents, a few courses here and there would have been really helpful. Well, exactly. And maybe they do offer them if they feel like there's a need, but we were never offered anything um like that and yeah I think on reflection now I know more about the adoption process and the experience of special guardians um have gone through a lot of it needs to change I feel Mm. like the support um and guidance around it it does lack and I know there are charities in place that are amazing and and are really supportive but it needs to change within like the local authorities um, I think um, so yeah, as part of that, we had really intense interviews. They ask you anything from like, what's your biggest regret? What's your um, parenting style? <laughs> I don't know, but don't this know. is what yeah. 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 <laughs> and luckily, you know, I think from the start, it was really clear that we had the same attitude towards parenting, which I, now I look back, I think, what if we had, you know, had completely disagreed on how to parent? Um but yeah, and also um, with the special guardianship, we agreed that it was really important for both of us to to do it and not just Adam as their biological uncle. Yeah. You know, I was taking on that responsibility, you know, physically, mentally, financially. Um, and, you know, we agreed that, yeah, it was going to be both of us. Um, they asked us, you know, are we ever going to get married? What's our long term plan? Do we want children of our own? They interviewed the school, um, our family. They really, really focused on um, if we had a support system around us, which, yeah. you know, we were really lucky that that we did. So then that was finalised in May 2017. We had our final court hearing. Um, we were a bit unprepared for what it was going to be like. Um, we just thought, you know, it was a case of going in, signing a bit of paper, it's done they've done all their assessments 
but we had to go up into the box. The oh, judge really? us. Yeah, it was really quite nerve wracking, um, which we totally weren't expecting. But I guess from the judge's point of view, he has to make sure that this is the right decision. This, uh, you know, and this is what be- is best for these children. And what sort of questions was he asking? So it was things about their um, past, their relationship with their dad, what would um, our opinions be on that going forward. Um, And we just said, you know, he'd have to significantly change his lifestyle choices. Um, He'd have to prove, you know, he does want to establish a relationship with them. But he didn't attend any of our court hearings. He was invited, you know, served and uh, invited to come. He didn't come to anything. Um, so how it, how it works with special guardianship is we all have parental responsibility of them, um, but ours sort of trumps the birth parents. Mm-hmm. So if he did ever want a relationship with them, he would have to take us to court, um, which, you know, sits really well, well with us. Um and yeah, it was more about the future and the long term and thinking about um, how we we're going to support them and the challenges we were going to face. Obviously, amongst all of this, we were also supporting them with the bereavement and, uh, you know, the death of their mom. Um, and again, we both had really similar attitudes around how we wanted to support them with that so we really wanted to be open and honest for us there is no you know she's not in heaven she's not a star in the sky she's dead that's the finality of it um particularly because of their age we didn't want to confuse them yeah um and you know we did get advice from um the hospital actually that that should be the approach that that we take but obviously that doesn't work for everybody and Mm. it's completely dependent on the child and your family um and we've always you know sorry no go on can I just ask a few questions about your relationship with the children before their mother died Mm -hmm. what was did you did you have like a really good bond with them beforehand yeah yeah so you know obviously Adam more than me him and his sister I would say were closer than most siblings they um her being a single parent to three children you know she she did have a lot of support from her family you know Adam was that fun uncle that would wind them up and give them anything and everything that we wanted and then go home and leave them hyper (laughs) yeah we used to buy the try and buy them the most annoying presents so we bought them I think maybe the Christmas before she died or maybe the Christmas before one of those pianos that you put on the floor and that they run across oh no Um, so yeah he was a very you know fun loving uncle um but me and her had become really really good friends um as well um we'd just been you know a month or two before she died on a big family holiday to Menorca all together in a villa which again looking back so grateful for those memories that we made all together um as a family and that again you know made my relationship with the children better but I'd say yeah I'd looked after them occasionally when she needed me to um in the lead up to her death I was actually working part-time so I would spend a lot of time with her at at her parents house you know having barbecues and things like that um but yeah I'd say they were you know really really close as siblings Mm. you know more so than I'd say you know I was with my brother and me and my brother are really close um so yes and then when um when you um like how did you how did you broach it with with the kids that you would like to take on this this role I don't actually remember (laughs) when I talk about those first weeks months even the first year I do feel like I've repressed a lot of the memories I'm actually Um, completely not surprised because there was yeah and I think you know when I sit down and explain you know what was happening in that first year it, it is actually bonkers mm. um and I just I look back and I think I don't know how how we did it how we cope but you just do and I think when you're supporting children particularly and you're just trying to do what's best for them and you're constantly doubting yourself and thinking this is the right thing that you just push forward um I could you know what I can't I honestly can't remember how we told them that um, we would be looking after them 
it, it'd be really interesting for me to ask them actually yeah, and see like what their, um, what their memory yeah, is do you think do you think you did ask them or do you think you told them I think we told them rather than ask them and that was part of the um special guardianship assessment that the social worker did try and discuss with them that but they were four and five they were very very shy children um but she did ask the things you know if you were scared, who would you go to? Who looks after you? Who cares for you? And um, to see what they said. And they said us, which is, you know, great. A big relief. Normally, you know, if this happens to older children, they do get their opinion. Yeah. But they would, you know, nephew had only just turned four. Just babies, yeah. and, and niece, our niece was four and a uh, five and a half. So yeah. yeah they I think they they just decided that because of how shy they were and how young they were that constantly questioning that questioning them wasn't appropriate yeah. but they did try to gauge you know what their understanding of um a dad was and who was their dad and our nephew actually thought that Adam was his dad oh he didn't actually understand you know yeah, the on paper what what a dad is yeah wow and because you were living um with with your parents was it or Adam's mm-hmm. parents with yeah. your parents um yeah. which sounds like a, an amazing setup was there ever any confusion for the kids though with who they went to within sort of that family environment yeah so um I don't think so I think it's always been our normal they even now obviously we've had our own baby that to Harper we are mummy and daddy my yeah. parents nanny and granddad that hasn't changed, you know, they don't call us mummy or daddy or them nanny and granddad. Um, but they know that that's that relationship with Harper. And they know, they always say, you know, we are like their um, mom and dad, but we, we always call ourselves their parents. We yeah. never pushed um, the, the, the words mom and dad on them ever. Um, and same with my parents, you know, they take them on holiday every year. They um, have them before and after school. Um, you know, they've got that grandparent relationship with them they just don't have the name and I just think what does that name actually mean because the person that is their dad isn't in that relationship with them and they've Mm -hmm. got you know a whole family that love and adore them that yeah they don't have those titles but they are those people Mm, absolutely Um, yeah I've already said, um, but I am in absolute utter awe of you to be able to go. From, so were you that you were twenty five? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I, I was still an utter mess at twenty five. So um, <laughs> twenty five with no children, and you went into parenting a four and a mm-hmm. five year old. Um, mm-hmm. Now I was thirty one when I had my first child, and I guess I learned and messed up how to parent as as he grew. But you 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 know you had these ready made children. Um, how did you do it? <laughs> How did you manage? You know what? It's hard because they're ready-made children. They're ready-made children that have been through trauma. Exactly. And so much transition. So we, as part of the special guardianship, we actually had to address, you know, how we how we parent. So it was something that we we spoke about a lot. And we felt like it was really important to set boundaries, um, you know, have rules, have a routine. So children that have been through um, trauma really you know generally thrive off that they like to know um where the boundaries are mm-hmm. um how far they can go with things what the expectation is yeah. because it makes them feel safe and yeah, secure the security um, yeah, I can see that. so that's what we did and it was you know looking back it was so so hard at the beginning um you know even down to things to uh changing their eating habits, um, a bedtime routine, but we were just consistent throughout. And, you know, we tag teamed, we um, asked my mom, you know, well, can you just help us with this? Made sure my whole family were on the same page with our, yeah. our parenting style yeah. um, and supporting that um, in, in our house. Cause you know, our house, our rules sort yeah. of thing. And sometimes I think it might look like we're quite strict, but, they need that they need that um understanding of what they are and aren't able to do Mm. um 
And yeah, I think that really, really helped them. And now, honestly, everyone just constantly compliments how wonderful they are. They are so well behaved. I think considering the trauma that they've been through and the, um, you know, consequences of what that that could mean for them, um, we have been incredibly lucky but I, I always find it really hard Take to some credit that's probably because of all the hard work that yeah. we put as well as you know them as being wonderful children anyway and do you um, think they've um, come out you, you you described them as being very shy before has that changed as well yeah so I think they're always going to be initially shy um with new people changes but yeah they are so confident I mean you know, they've also been introduced to a whole new friendship groups, like my friends, Adam's friends, people that they didn't really socialise mm-hmm. with before. And they always say, you know, how they've changed over the years, they're confident, and that could just be with growing. Um, but yeah, I would definitely say they are far more confident. And we've really, really tried to instill resilience in them. So, you know, you don't have to worry about these things, just try again, just do your best, that's fine. Um, and yeah, we've they do a lot of sport, which I think helps yeah. um, with, with a lot of that. We're really, me and Adam were both very into our sport. When, well, Adam still is. I'm not so much. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's I'm, a, I'm a big believer in, in sport. Um, yeah, yeah. So, you know, they do gymnastics, football, swimming. Um, amazing. Yeah, they really thrive from that but again you know when um, we started our niece at, at gymnastics she she would get upset going in but we persevered we kept, I think that is probably a really key thing that we do is that we don't necessarily give in straight mm-hmm. away yeah. um to things like that um which you know again sometimes it can make us see really like we're we're really strict but the long term we we always just think of the long term benefits mm-hmm. so it's not picture. just you no know, short term ease because actually that's not going to make our lives easy at yeah. all um so yeah but now although it is um you know I said about routine now if we do something slightly out of routine <laughs> like Whoa, what's going on <laughs> so yeah we, we we've shot ourselves in the foot there <laughs> flexibility <laughs> and what was it like when you um when you left your parents house and moved into your own home yeah so that was lovely but I guess it added those stresses of maintaining a house which we didn't have before yeah. you know, like we, we kept tidy but we didn't have to do all the grown-up responsible stuff <laughs> um she says parenting two children <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah true <laughs> the stereotypical grown-up yeah. stuff um and financial strain and and um you know, that's something that we'd never experienced before. My, my, my parents didn't make us pay rent, which was, you know, incredibly lucky. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but I think it then sort of enabled us to grow and thrive as a family. And it, it made us, it just felt more long term, I yeah. think, at my parents. And because the majority of the time we were at my parents, we were going through the special guardianship process and, um constantly needing you know having interviews and support and going on court dates so it felt like such a whirlwind where when we were there so from when we got the special guardianship to when we moved out I think it was like two or three months um so yeah I think it finally felt like we were being a family yeah we were able to to you know have our own space and um you know adapt to not being able to just go out whenever we wanted. <laughs> um, but again, we had such a sp- good support system. So, you know, we, they would always go to my parents or Adam's parents if we needed them to, obviously after school, taking them to school, yeah, um, things like that. So, yeah, we're really lucky. And with their, their mum, how do you... Um how do you kind of allow for them to still grieve? How do you keep her memory alive? So I think that's something we've learned is that grief doesn't just happen when that person dies. It is forever. Mm-hmm. You, you're not just dealing with that initial grief. Um, grief changes. It forms into diff- so many different areas of your life and comes out in different ways. And from the start, we really wanted to keep their mom's memory alive they were so young when she died that 
you know, I don't remember anything from when I'm four. And that was a real, you know, concern of ours that they wouldn't remember mm. their life with their, their mom. And, you know, this year they will have lived, both of them will have lived with us as long as they have with their mom. Um, wow. And it's like, yeah, it's really horrible milestones to go through. Um, do, you, so, do you talk about that milestone then? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we do. So we've always established from the start really open and honest um, conversations about death and dying and um, their grief and their emotions. We've always let them know that their emotions are okay. Um, So we didn't, you know, obviously break down in front of them. But if something made us sad um, that we were reading or a picture that we were looking at, for example, we let them know that that made us upset and that we're upset because we miss mommy um, and we wish that she was still alive. And Mm. I think that, well, I hope that that's helped them realise that when they're feeling that way, it's okay. Like, it's completely normal. You're allowed to feel those emotions. Um, And then we've done more formal things as well so we've done a mummy memories jar so um whenever we remember something we write it down we put it in the jar um, and we often get that out um now and it's they they always laugh at like how bad their handwriting was like a few years ago (laughs) Um, but they really really like doing um that because we have noticed that as the years have gone on a lot of what they remember is more what they've been told than what yeah. they actually remember, yeah. particularly with our nephew and yeah. our nieces remember um, a lot more. Um, we have, fo- so we've got a mommy shelf. So the mommy memories jars on there, there's um, a photo album, which we all made together of pictures of her, um, which again, it's at child height. They can access it, look at it. And we have pictures of her throughout our house um, anyway from when she was little, pictures mm. of her with her children, with with Adam. Um, and then also we did something recently, I think it was last year, um, I printed off all of her Facebook statuses that were, and posts and pictures that she'd done about the children. Oh, that's so, so it was, awful. Yeah, and that's probably been one of the most amazing things we've done because it's her wishing them happy birthday. It's announcing their the arrival of them on Facebook and even scan photos, um, which it's like she's talking to them. So oh. it is really nice. Um, so it's a positive of, you know, sharing your life on social yeah. media <laughs> able to, to make that and access that. Um and yeah, they love, love looking at that. And I think particularly since Harper's been born, obviously they had questions that we don't necessarily know the answer to. You know, mm. how much did I weigh when I was born? What yeah, time was I course. born? Um, so all of that is on her Facebook posts. Um, so they really, really love um, looking at that. And obviously there's pictures in their old houses that they lived with, um, with pets that they had with her. So yeah, I think that's been one of the best things that that we've done um and actually it was through someone on Instagram that told me that they'd done that for their friends that gave me the idea see good old social media it's, I know it's, it's, it's been, got its role hasn't it somewhere and <laughs> um, where the kids um offered any support any sort of counseling or anything yeah so they initially did um through the school so nephew bless him his mum died he moves in with us and he started reception he started school within a couple of weeks and attended his mum's funeral you know within a couple of weeks so yeah he you know went through so much in those first couple of weeks and he found starting school quite quite difficult quite overwhelming um the chaos of the classroom being with 30 children um every day of the week was a lot for him so they did have counselling from an external um, you know, company from the school. Um, I think it was more to give them a break from the classroom, to give them that breather, that time. Um, they did it, all three siblings together did, did this. Um, um, so were they at the yeah. same school still? Yeah, uh, not anymore because their older sisters just moved to a different town, but they were. Uh, they were, until, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, then that stopped so again I think we were a bit frustrated because it it was like 
oh, the initial period of grief is, you know, over. It's been X amount of time. And obviously I understand funding and, the need, you know, the other children may need that support. Mm. Um, so, yeah, they didn't really have anything then for a couple of years. But in the last year or so, they've been having weekly meetings with this wonderful woman at school. She's a teaching assistant. She is just brilliant. She may, Every time I speak to her, she makes me cry. Oh. <laughs> She's just so lovely. So, again, it started off as, you know, just time outside of the classroom to discuss anything. It's just completely led by them. But they have been doing a... Um, what would you call it? Like a workbook, scrapbook type thing um, from Winston's Wish, which is a child bereavement charity um, called Muddles, Puddles and Sunshine. And they, it ta- you know, it says who died, what happened when they died, did I go to their funeral, what do I remember about them, what can I tell them about my life now, what do I wish I could say, you know, when I feel angry, what makes me feel angry. So it really worked through everything that they've been processing over those couple of years um and as part of that they've also made like a memory box so that's on our mummy shelf as well our niece has finished hers and I think our nephew's meant to be bringing his home this week or next week um but it's it's really interesting because the teaching assistant said how different their their scrapbooks are wow. um so see their memories are are different um how they've you know processed things are are very different um so that's a really nice thing to them for them to look back on, and um, we discussed with their teachers and how it can be a working scrapbook, so they can go back, they can revisit it, they can add things in. Um, they did a really lovely thing as part of it, actually, which was like making a bracelet, and each strand was someone that cares about you and looks after you. Um, so they made that, which was really nice. Um, so it's all yeah, it's not just focusing on the person that's died; it's the going forward and mm-hmm. and and processing that as well and so that's been lovely sorry do their friends um and their classmates do they all understand what's happened so I think now they do because obviously it's been a couple of years but I think for our nephew obviously no one in that class knew his mom because he wasn't and he didn't go to the preschool that was attached to the school um so I think that was difficult for him but um when it came to things like Mother's Day we always encouraged the school to let the children lead the way if they want to make mommy a card that's fine just think about the appropriate wording that was in there if they want to make one for me for nanny for their sister you know anyone that's a that that's person so they tend to like alternate every year but it was really nice the one that our niece made the first Mother's Day after um, their mum died. It's obvious that the school had really supported her with what to write because it yeah. said to mummy, um, I'm thinking of you always, love from um, niece. So that, and you know, that's in our memory box. So we have kept anything and everything that they've made for her over the years. Um, we've got, you know, cards that she's written for them um, as well. Um, so yeah, we're tr- trying to build as much as we can in these yeah. years because they're going to be beneficial when they're, you know, 13, 20, 30, looking back at this time in their 100%, life. 100%, yeah, no, absolutely. And, um, Obviously, you know, you've made reference to Harper, who's who's yes. your biological daughter, um, who's just one. Is that right? She's just turned Yeah, one. just turned one. Yeah. So um, how did you how was that? How, how did you have the conversation um, with Lisa and nephew that you were you were expecting? So um, they I mean, our, our niece absolutely loves babies. I think she was desperate for us to have a baby. From day <laughs> <one>. <laughs> you know, she's a dolly mad uh, little girl. But I think for us, we it was a really big decision to think, when are we ready to have a baby? Um, and, you know, looking back now, would we have chosen to have one in the middle of a pandemic? <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Um, so, yeah, we didn't tell them until we'd had our 12-week scan um, and we got them tops that said cousin on them and then a little teddy um, each and we let them open it and they were like oh cousin and we were like yeah well, what do you think that means and then our niece was like you're having a baby 
and they honestly, you know, I was really, really worried a lot about how they would find it. Would they be jealous, feel replaced? Would they envy her because we're her mummy and daddy? But throughout my pregnancy, they were just so lovely. They loved cuddling my bump, listening Aww. in, feeling her kick buying all the stuff for her. It was such a lovely, exciting time. Um, and when they were, she arrived, obviously they were off school. Um, yeah, of course. was co- totally challenging. And again, not what I did <laughs> when having that's, a baby. That's a very PC way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, third, first baby, third child yeah. was, was just such a challenge. And I think, um, you know, I wasn't really prepared for how big of a deal that that probably was. But on the positive side, they were at home. They built such an amazing relationship with her. Mm. They are absolutely besotted. They, you know, our niece is almost like second mom. <laughs> like she, she is just in awe of her. And Equally, Harper absolutely loves them so much. You know, she they have such a good relationship. And I think maybe if they hadn't been off school for so long, yeah. that wouldn't have um wouldn't have been established straight away. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, actually, would they have been more jealous if they were going to school and I was at home with a baby and they were having to, you know, be away for the whole day. So um it definitely helped us build that bond as a family but you know we almost went back in time and we actually moved in with my parents when uh, yeah when Harper was first born so we had we bought a house whilst I was pregnant and obviously Covid delayed um, us completing quite a lot but we had to be out of our rented so when Harper was two weeks old we moved in with oh, my parents wow. <laughs> just utter chaos but again they you know they were at home with me at that point they hadn't established you know support bubbles or anything so I felt so grateful I know so many parents weren't able to have that Mm. um to be with my parents I mean they were still working um but my mum works from home so yeah it was really really lovely you know even if it was just she'd just take Harper for a walk around the garden so I could spend some quality time with our niece and nephew because I was really conscious that it did feel like one or the other. I couldn't give my attention to all of them because there was the, quite a big age yeah, gap as well. Yeah. Um, I did find that really hard, but in those early days. But yeah, so then a couple of months later, we then moved again into our house. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we just seem to love the chaos, <laughs> apparently. Um, so again, you know, a really major part of their lives you know a global pandemic the arrival of a a baby moving house twice but you know they cope so well and I think children are so much more resilient than we give them credit for and I think a lot of the time our fears are are because they're our fears as an adult and we don't want to broach the subject with a child so particularly when we talk about death and dying and 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 their mommy it is because we think it's a taboo subject, but yeah. children don't know that. They don't yeah. They don't think that. Um, they haven't, you know, got that society awareness of, yep. of those different things. So, Well, although yeah. they had so much going on, they, they did have an absolute constant of you and Adam. Well, um, I mean, that's what I, I like to think that. But also, Adam read this really interesting article, which was saying if you have experienced significant trauma you cope with consequent you yeah. know, uh, future transitions much better. And, you know, when you actually think about it, yeah, nothing is going to be as bad as their mom dying. Nothing no, is going to be no. as difficult as yeah. that. So, of co- you know, they, they, they did cope really well. I mean, we were lucky they were able to go back to school because of their special guardianship. So when it shut the second time, um, they did go to school, which really helped them they, they hated being homeschooled no, they yeah. liked the routine and structure again of school um they liked you know seeing their friends and having that normality which I know all children do and we were you know lucky in a sense that they they could go and when you're um 
how do you cope with kind of comments when you're out and about and just being a normal, your normal family? Um, but yeah. if people refer to you as um, your niece and nephews, like mum and dad, like how, how do you manage those situations? So it's something we talk about a lot on our Instagram and it is something that initially used to really anger me. And I used to, you know, think it's so obvious to just not say that. But actually, when I think about it, it's probably something I used to do mm. um, you know, working in childcare and, and with children. Um, but I do, I think now we try and just address it straight away. So we just try and say, oh no, I'm my, her auntie. We don't have to give our whole backstory. They don't need to know why she's there with me. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've had it before, you know, they we've had strangers say to Adam, gosh, your children look so much like you. And he's oh, really? he does that, you know, they are actual twins. <laughs> and he's like, oh, they're actually my niece and nephew. Again, you don't have to explain the whole life story. Um, and I think that's helped us and helped our niece and nephew cope with it. They sometimes have the confidence to say it. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes I think they feel like it's better just to, you know, ignore, ignore it. Um, but we try, we do try and, instilling them that just say it it's fine you don't have to you know keep um you know tell them why you live with us or why we're picking you up or any of those things if you don't want to but you Uh can let that person know because then they might keep saying it and I think that's the thing and I think a lot of people on our Instagram have said that they now say parent because we do refer to ourselves as their parents because Mm we we are parenting them Mm -hmm. um but even you know your adult your grown-up it's so much more inclusive and I think you you don't know what is happening with each child and that might be a trigger to say um you know oh your dad's here it might you know it might really have have an impact so I would just recommend people just a bit more conscious but it's not something that offends me as much as it did when we first started out I have developed (laughs) (laughs) and I know you started your Instagram account because you wanted um to raise more awareness about legal guardians and um you you've spoken before about the the difficulties with the law in terms of like you guys weren't given any any paid leave or anything like that mm-hmm. have you seen any positive change um over the since you've sort of started your process of legal guardianship to now yes actually so yeah that no paid leave for special guardians um and that's actually the case if you adopt a family member as well if you adopt a stepchild and that's something that really angered me because at the time I didn't really think about being entitled to any paid leave. I just, you know, assumed that we wouldn't. But actually, that would have helped with that transition so much for us to be able to pick them up and drop them off from school um, every day, Mm. to not lean on our parents as much as we did in those early days. Um, And, yeah, I I just think it's, it's almost, what's the word, like, taking their trauma and and not valuing it and yeah. and thinking that they oh just because they're biologically related to you they don't need that support which mm-hmm. is not the case i mean our situation's a bit different but a lot of special guardianships are because the children have been removed from their parent mm. and that they you know they've been in some you know awful situations and that requires so much support support and the special guardians that I've spoken to you know a lot of people have had to quit their job or you know find a job that is more flexible or you know change their whole lives and it's really sad um, that just because you're biologically related you are have got no support Mm. from 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 the local authority Mm. Since we have become special guardians in our local authority, they have actually set up a special guardians hub team that is focused specifically on offering support for special guardians. Um, And that is something that we have actually accessed recently because we want to start um, approaching subjects around explaining to them how their mom died, about their dad and why he's not in their life um, and the reasons behind that. And we really wanted some support on how to do that appropriately. And they, we're actually getting something called life story work, which is, from what I can gather, something that is quite standard with adoption. Um, So think about their lives before um, they came to live with us and and everything that led up to them living with us. 
Um, and that is supported through, I think it's called like the Adoption Support Fund. So it is funded the same way as any adoption support. So it sounds like that's really promising. And it's nice to know there's something out there like that, because we weren't even aware of the um, funding and benefits that we could access. Um, and things like we are able to access something called Guardian's Allowance, which is unique to our situation because it's if a parent dies but we weren't able to access that until we got our special guardianship because technically their dad had parental responsibility wow so you know there's so much that does need need to change and um support needs to be put in place but from what i can gather historically special guardianship was Right, these children are either going to go into care. Is there a family member that can take them on? Yes, great. Um, But it seems like that is changing and they are acknowledging that those, um, you know, adults need extra support and that we don't have to do this, but a lot of special guardians have to deal with contact with the birth parents and um, establishing all of that relationships still Mm -hmm. and the consequences of of all of that whether it's positive or negative um and that you know I I imagine it's to stop special guardianships breaking down Mm. and then you know to stopping children going into care yeah and at the moment is it um it's it's not like a nationwide kind of uh rule it it depends on each local authority yeah and and from what I can gather the funding that you get I was gonna say funding with yeah yeah, depends on your local authority their pot and what what they're able to give you and also it's means tested so it depends on how much you earn which is why a lot of people said that they then gave up their jobs because they're able to access the special guardianship allowance it's called uh, special special guardian oh I can't I can't remember what that's actually called um but yeah the, matter, yeah. the special guardianship one not the one around having a parent die um because then they could do the school drop off they could support those children and then get that that money as well um I don't know when that came in I think I don't think it was that long ago that that support was was provided gosh that's that's sad um thank you I've learned loads and thank (laughs) you for for being so open and and sharing your story and honestly I think it's um as I say I feel really uh I feel really educated but also I'm just I'm just really pleased because as I say when I when I set out to do this podcast um I guess I hadn't really given it enough thought about you know I wanted to talk about taboo subjects and I wanted to talk Mm -hmm. about um you know the different ways that um, that people become families but this is um, actually even though I grew up knowing who my uh, guardian would be because I grew up in a, a single parent household so I was always my mum always told us who our, who our guardian would be if anything happened to her but it's not something I thought to to speak to someone about so I'm just so happy that um, that I came across you so thank you um, and at the end of my podcast I like to ask um, my guests the same questions which is if you were to have coffee with any um, other female alive dead famous fictional um, who would it be and why? So this was a really easy answer because I would pick my niece and nephew's mommy yeah, of every day, even if it was just five minutes. I think I feel like I'm going to get a bit emotional. Oh, I am so <laughs> um, every day I wish I could tell her about her wonderful children and the, how amazing they are and sharing, you know, moments with her and tell her about Harper and you know the life that we have and also sometimes I think I wish I could just ask her advice yeah and um you know what what did you used to do help me <laughs> um so yeah that would you know if if that could ever happen I would jump on that you know I'd sell my soul for just two minutes to just talk to her and just give her a hug and you know just tell her about yeah. her children <laughs> sorry it's all right what would she drink <laughs> What would be with a drink? What would oh, she used to like a, a Copperberg. So, <laughs> oh, like me. <laughs> <laughs> a nice Copperberg in the sunshine would just be a dream come true. Do you know that's something we don't really get out here when I miss, oh, I miss it? No, you'll have to get it imported. <laughs> I know, I'm not a big drinker, but like, exactly in the sunshine, that's yeah. just the perfect for me, the perfect drink. 
And um, <laughs> since becoming a legal guardianship or or mum to Harper, um, is there is there anything you found yourself saying that your mum used to say to you? So I found this question really funny, actually, because I don't necessarily think saying things that my mum would say, but I now understand why she did the things she did or or said the things she did because you know you as a kid you never really understand the the stresses of your parent and now now I am one myself I can empathize with my parents so <laughs> much um uh, but she does laugh at me actually because she says oh yes I remember that well and like, it oh, must have been like when you guys were living together as well did you find you 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 not that they were your parents were parenting your niece and nephew but did you find that you were kind of sort of mirroring each other a little bit yeah and I think I I, I don't want to speak too highly of myself but <laughs> I think my mum sort of learned a lot. Like my brother was just a little terror and she used to give in to him every, you know, second of the day. We always say like, oh yeah, he's a favourite. Get away with murder and you still love him. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think I'm really lucky though because despite maybe slightly different parenting styles in that sense, they did allow me to do that and did yeah. mirror that. So that yeah. was really good. Um, but I do think your own childhood makes you the, the parent that you are, whether you have positive so, yeah. experiences or negative experiences. It makes you either be, want to be like your parents or not like your parents. And I'm very lucky that I do want to be like my parents. Yeah. And, you know, I, I have the most wonderful childhood memories. And I think that's something I really want to give to niece and, nep- uh, niece and nephew and, and Harper as well. Yes, of course, of course. And considering your experience and everything you've been through, um, is there one piece of advice or um, inverted commas mum hack or anything that you could um, you could share? So my biggest bit of advice would just be that it's okay not to be okay and it's okay to admit that things are hard or you're struggling or you, you know, you need some me time. And I think as women, we're really, really selfless. And we don't, you know, having a break to do the clean and having the break to do a shower or to the food shop is not a break. (laughs) That is not, you know, free time. Um, And I think particularly in the beginning, I felt like because we'd made the choice to become our niece and nephew's guardians, that I wasn't allowed to struggle. And that I wasn't allowed to show that things were hard. And I did yeah. learn I, w- I am able to do that. And I'm so lucky that I've got brilliant friends who, at the time, none of my close friends were parents. Um, and they, you know, are so supportive. They, you know, I was able to offload. They asked me really honest questions, which I hadn't really thought about. You know, is this definitely something that you want? How are you feeling? Um, which I think, was I'm really lucky that I've got that support but yeah I think it's okay not to be okay to have that time to yourself and and find those people that you can talk to about it and even if they they don't go through what you're going through or or properly understand because none of my friends will ever understand what my you know my experience is or what my life is like um even when they do have their own children it's it's not the same um so yeah but you know just to offload to have or even to not talk about and just go out and have a glass of wine and be that person that you were you're not defined by being a parent um and that part of you is still still there you just have to let it come out (laughs) not forget about um, it really good advice coming (laughs) off of we've just come off of um maternal mental health week so that's Uh, yeah top tips from um, so well done (laughs) you must have read (laughs) (laughs) Jade, <laughs> um, thank you so much for speaking to me today it's been a real so real... welcome thank you for um, asking me. and quickly how can people find you so we are not your underscore average family um on instagram um i think we've been on instagram for a good about three years now um and i do i you know i share things about children's bereavement from other po- um other pages as well 
being special guardians, I don't think there is much of a special guardianship presence on social media. Adoption is massive. There's a yeah. great support system around adoption, infertility, but I just, that's, I feel like there is a gap. Um, and yeah, just basic mum stuff now as well. <laughs> yeah. with Harper's arrival. He's done very well and stayed asleep for the whole podcast. I know, I can't believe it. She's <laughs> absolutely golden child. She can have a child later. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, and thank you for speaking to me and have a super thank lovely you. day. Thank you. you. Bye. Take care. Bye bye. A massive thank you to Jade for sharing their incredible story and being willing to talk about yet another taboo subject that doesn't need to be taboo. I know you might listen to the recording and think how lucky niece and nephew are to have Jade and Adam, but I know for a fact that for them it's nothing but a privilege to be given the opportunity to parent their special kids. I'm proud of this podcast and the opportunity it provides to educate, share and normalise that there really is no normal. Our world is changing and evolving, and so is family life. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe if you've enjoyed the show. Have the best week, and as always, I'll be back next Thursday.